recently bought a farm uh, at the end of 2021 and had our first year here in 2022 here on the farm uh, and really wanted to stick with that personable atmosphere. So every time you come in, you're talking to one of us and we're going to greet you and say hi. And we want to teach you one thing by coming on here, whether it's specifically about a bee, whether it's about planting a plant, you're going to learn something by proxy by coming here, whether it's just information on our walls. I mean, I've got a little uh, bumblebee poster back there, but there's just little snippets of information everywhere. Um, and we just want to like have it be a fun experience. Today we are immersing ourselves in the world of pollination. My guest, Brad the Bee Man Kuhn, is dedicated to educating as many people as he can about what each of us can do to restore the failing bee populations, not to mention butterflies, bats, and other pollinators that are also at risk. Now, Brad and his business partner, Thomas, use their flowering plant nursery called Finding Nectar, a great name, as a way to not only provide pesticide-free plants that attract bees and other pollinators, but also as a way to educate every single visitor, whether it's a customer, a classroom, a Girl Scout, or a Boy Scout troop, about the vital need to sustain and build all pollinator species with a focus on bees. Now, in this conversation, Brad touches on many subjects, including how pollination works, in case you were absent that day, and what each of us can do to ensure we boost up those bee populations. The answer is surprisingly easy, fun, and enjoyable. And with 80% of our fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds reliant on those little guys, it's very important that we all contribute to keeping bee populations healthy. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brad Kuhn. Hi, Brad Kuhn. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Deborah? I'm good. I'm very good. And I'm very thrilled to meet you. I've been hearing about you for a couple of years and about finding Nectar Nursery, the name of your business. So I'm very excited to just hear everything about it and how you're making the world better. Yeah, it's fun to know that your daughter introduced you to us years ago now. Um, and we still kind of figure us as such a small business. So to be talking to you wherever you are in the world is just a fun, <laughs> it fun is thing. Fun. Yeah, it is fun. And yeah, she has been, I mean, cause she's been on the bandwagon for pollinators and she's been raising butterflies, monarchs for a long time. And she has actually been talking about your nursery for a very long time. So I really think it sometimes it takes a while with any, I don't know any, it's not that it's a new concept, but it's become, you know, having pollinators in our yards and uh, keeping bees alive has become so vital. Um, it's always been vital, but we, now we understand how vital it is because we've lost so many species and lost so many bees. And uh, now we're all, you know, it's, we have to all put our best effort out to uh, try to restore it. So, but as we do that, we have to learn like as though from scratch. So I, I appreciate that you came on the show 
to kind of teach us more about what's happening with bee populations and how what each of us can do to build them back up and and not just bees but but other insects and animals as well right yeah i mean that's that's so important to like kind of know your own little ecosystem uh and kind of know mm. how to find the information about that ecosystem and that that's kind of what we aim to do here at finding nectar yeah. is you know our our little motto is that finding nectar is just plants for pollinators um, but we're really just plants for pollinators in the Denver area in the front range right now, uh, because we wanted to start local. Mm -hmm. We really wanted to get a good right. grasp on this area before going bigger. We wanted our concept mm -hmm. to kind of get a foothold down where, you know, mm -hmm. when you come here to shop that you're getting the correct plants that pollinators need in our area. Uh, and you don't even have to think about it if you don't really... Yeah know what you want in your yard you can come and shop for the colors you want or for a specific area and like you know that like mm. that is actually going to help a pollinator in some way or the other i'm excited to learn all these things so let's back up a little bit and just say that you are the owner of finding nectar nurseries which is which is in arvada colorado and i just want to mention before we go on that even though this podcast or this conversation about these specific pollinators is uh directed toward the Colorado area, but everybody can learn that they have pollinators in their own. I don't care if they're, we we're just talking about Egypt. I don't care if they're in Egypt or they're in Belize where I am. Like everyone needs to learn what pollinators work in their own region. So these concepts are transferable anywhere, but the specific plants that maybe we're going to talk about would be more geared toward Colorado, right? Absolutely. And everything transfers almost worldwide, whether your pollinator is a bee, whether you're pollinators, a butterfly, birds, slugs, bats, or whatever it may be in your area, there's a lot more out there mm -hmm. than you are just seeing with your own two eyes on a daily basis. Well, I just wanted to mention too that um, we do have something in common, even though we haven't met before, other than my daughter being a, a shopper at your, at your place. Um, my grandfather, according to my grandmother anyway, started the first nursery in Colorado in the 1940s. And no it wasn't a flower nursery, but it was a, yeah, it was a tree nursery. So they sold nursery stock all over the whole Denver area, which was obviously quite a bit smaller, uh, less populated anyway at that time. So yeah, it was called Rowan Nurseries. So, so we okay. have, we're kindred spirits in some way. <laughs> that we are. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. Um, okay. Well, tell me, I want to start with basically your background and how did, how you even came to think about the idea of starting this business and how you got interested in it. Can you kind of tell your own backstory a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, my backstory is not in plants. It's not in pollinators. I have a background in marketing um, and I was working a corporate job. And uh, as I kind of tell people, I successfully got fired at mm -hmm. the beginning of COVID and I was going to go travel the world uh, at that time. And then COVID hit. Uh, so I started just kind of, as everybody did, picked up my COVID hobbies. Uh, I did all the things of like traveling and camping and all that. And then I kind of circled back around to how much I love bees. Uh, and I've always been an advocate, always been teaching people that like hmm. bees are friends. And like when you'd be out and you, everybody's always had that experience of like, you have that friend who's like sitting out on a patio on a nice day and there's a bee around and they jump out of their chair and like are running away from this bee. And 
I like to show people, even in those situations, that it's like that bee's fine. That bee's just probably trying to find some water um, and maybe giving it like going and picking it up and like setting it over mm. by some water or setting it back on some plants that like that bee's not going to harm you. And I've always yeah. been doing that my entire life and always just yeah. been a fan of helping out. Interesting. I, I wanted, though, specifically hmm. uh, in 2020 to put in a pollinator garden, which is really what kicked this all off. And I couldn't find a lot of good information for what pollinators really need in the Denver area. So I ended up amassing a lot of information hmm. from... Even, wait, what year? Is this in 2020? Yeah. Is this just in 2020? You could, wow. So this is very recent. That's amazing. This is very new. I mean, so that, that you couldn't even find the information. Well, I know your business is new, but I, I, I'm surprised that that finding pollinators for this region just a couple, three years ago was, was a difficult thing to do. I didn't know that. Yeah. C CSU had a couple good extensions on there, but a lot of them were vague in there of what they actually do. Hmm. So I went to a bunch of other different resources and kind of okay. pulled them to come up with like what plants I wanted to have in my own personal pollinator garden. Why I did that, I then tried to shop around and ended up having to go to like seven different nurseries around town and to find the plants. And it was going to cost me about $7,000 to buy about, I don't know, 60, 70 plants at the time. And I thought that was outrageous. Um, so I bought some seeds. And I planted about 150 plants, uh, maybe about 100 of them actually grew. And in that time, I talked to my neighbors about what I was trying to do. And they're like, that's really cool. And like, you're growing them in smaller pots, so they're going to grow faster mm -hmm. and they're going to reach maturity at that same amount of time. So they bought those plants off hmm. before I even had a chance to put in that pollinator oh. garden. And that's that's what inspired the idea. <laughs> You're like, darn. Um, and, and being being yeah. unemployed at the moment, I decided that the best course of action was to plant 10,000 more plants in my basement that was finished at the time and have a bunch of grow lights in there, uh, which, I mean, they grew. Unbelievable. And first year out of our backyard, but caused some other issues. Um, but that first year really got a lot of traction. We had people coming in our backyard, talking to me and my business partner, Thomas, and we really decided to go all in. So we recently bought a farm uh, at the end of 2021 and had our first year here in 2022 here on the farm uh, and really wanted to stick with that personal um, atmosphere. So every time you come in, you're talking to one of us and we're going to greet you and say hi and we want to teach you mm. one thing by coming on here, whether it's specifically about a bee, whether it's about planting a plant, you're going to learn something by proxy by coming here, whether it's just information on our walls. I mean, I've got a little uh, bumblebee poster back there, but there's just little snippets of information everywhere. Yeah. Um, and we just want to like have it be a fun experience. So we've got wow. everything from plants and animals to compost piles and worms and other fun things, including bees out here that like you can go kind of look around and just kind of have an immersive experience because, you know, Denver's a big city now, as you know, Deborah, uh, this... and uh, people don't get to have that yes, experience. So to be able to see that in, you know, a couple hundred feet and see that biodiversity really helps inspire kids to want to take action. And then that inspires their parents to mm -hmm. dig look into that more deeply and actually understand why there is a problem. 
And that's kind of all we're trying to do is just have people understand there's a problem and that like everybody can do something. And planting three to five plants in your yard that are for pollinators isn't a big ask, you know? That's all it takes. No, it's a, it, well, it's not an ask at all because everybody wants flowers. I mean, who doesn't want to have flowers around them? I don't know one person in the world who does not. So I don't think that very many people know that you can plant three to five different kinds of flowers and actually make an impact on, on the yeah. bee population and on the pollination of all these things. Sure. So that's a couple of things you said that are just so, uh, well, that's one of them that's so helpful that just to know just a little bit can make a difference. Like you don't have to have a, a 700 square acre farm in order to increase, have an impact on the, on the bee population. No, I was talking to a lady just yesterday about removing two plant, two uh, big hardy pompous grasses, which is just a big uh, showy grass for your yard that doesn't do as much. And I was like, you know, we mm -hmm. came up with a plan to put, you know, 12 plants in that area where these two big grasses are. And she was super excited okay. because now she understands it's like, oh, wow, by planting these certain plants, we planted like a salvia in the middle that like she's going to have a lot oh. of bumblebees coming in there. She's going to have other mm -hmm. species coming there. Um, and then we planted some milkweed, which milkweed is the only species Great. of plant that the monarch can lay it's eggs on and eat here. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she yeah. was really excited about that. So it's like little things like that, that like can make a difference. Yeah. I don't, I just think that, and the other thing I just want to say about comment on what you said is that education, the more people know, the more they want to do something, but we're just very poorly, poorly or not at all educated on these types of things. You know, we just, plant grass, plant grass, plant grass, and nobody even thinks about it. Even though everybody's fully aware that biodiversity is taking such a hit everywhere on the planet, you know, I think just this information has not trickled down. And as soon as people know, they're like, they're all in. So that's why I'm very excited that you're here to, to share yeah. your knowledge with us because it's just so valuable. Well, let's talk about why it is so valuable, right? Because I don't, uh, I think that's that widely known anymore, even though everybody knows bees are important. Like, can you, it's your favorite subject. So tell us a little bit about bees and, and why they are so important to the whole. Yeah. And I'll stick, I'll stick a little bit on this podcast. Like, to the whole economy to the world. Yeah. I mean, bees in general. You'll do what? I'll stick with bees for the moment, just instead of talking about butterflies. And okay. Home. Okay. We can, talk, we can talk about everything here today and spend hours. But okay. so for me, we'll throw a little in. Okay. Yeah. For, for me, bees are really important here in Colorado. Um, in Colorado, we have over 950 bee species. And Deborah, how many of those do you think are honeybees? Amazing. Like, I will just make a fool of myself because I have zero idea. <laughs> yeah. One, a hundred, I don't know. Five. Basically five are like honeybee species here in Colorado. And... So how do you help pollinators then? How's that possible? Right? Let that sink in for a second. So well, I guess I don't know what that means. The honeybee, like, I don't know the significance even of why it's important that there's five species of honeybees. Are honeybees completely different than other bees in terms of pollination? Think of, I, when I describe bees, I like to refer them 
to dogs because I, I talk to a lot of kids here and we try and educate okay. them on like how to approach bees and like that. So a lot of my references to bees are kind of in dogs. Is that like bees are like dogs and a honeybee is like a dog because there's different species. You know, we have our honeybee species. We have bumblebee species. We have masonary bees. We have carpenter right. bees. We have sweat bees. Like there's so many different other varieties okay. of bees. And the honeybee species that we have in Colorado are not even threatened. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what do we do? So I point out about basically. Well, I guess that. What does that mean, though? What does that mean for uh, pollination? Like, why are the honeybees specifically important or not important to pollination? No, they're all important. But honeybees are a massive amount of bees in a specific area that go to a certain amount of plants and then back and forth. Where oh. a masonary bee and carpenter bees basically okay. just kind of roam around and they'll pollinate about 100 times more plants in one day than a, than a honeybee in there but those those other bees are more threatened and more endangered than the typical honeybee in there is what i'm more trying to say Hmm. and those are the species that we should be actually looking at to try and take care of okay okay well that helps that helps just to know that much yeah i could talk for hours so i might just so what what are well, that's okay because I think it's it's really important information. C- can you talk a little bit about what they do though, as far as pollination? Like, I mean, I guess everybody, most people know that like a bee flies from one flower to the next, and uh, inadvertently, because of I guess the shape of their body, they they just pick up pollen, right, and take it to the next flower and then deposit it there. That's basically how it works, right? Yeah, um, that is. You know, it takes it from the male plants, sort the pollen from the male plants, and then it drops it down into the the female plant in there inadvertently in there. Um, other bees use the pollen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of did a little segment on teaching people about what bee, we call it bee bread in the industry is. And they also use the pollen for their larva um, in there too. And that's another way that they pollinate mm-hmm. is they purposely pick up pollen and bring it back to their hives. Um, because a lot of the eggs that bees lay need that pollen mixed with the other nectar and other enzymes for that larva to be able to hatch in there too. So inadvertently and on purpose, they pick up and carry pollen on their legs, on their body. uh, And as they're jumping around from different plants, that's how those other plants and those how those flowers really get into that full bloom. So why, let's talk a little bit then about why the bee population is in such decline. I I know that a lot of it has to do with pesticides. Is that all of it? Pesticides, expanding of yards um, here in Colorado. um, You know, if we want to talk about like monarchs a little bit too. uh, I was doing a little, doing a little study that like Every new, I'm in a little subdevelopment just for a little explanation. Um, and every new house that they put in mm-hmm. removes 24 milkweed plants. And if we think about that, the monarch mm. is threatened. Every one of those plants could house, you know, five to ten caterpillars that could eventually become a monarch. 
And when we're putting in 2,500 yeah. new houses in each subdevelopment out here, you know, you can kind of extrapolate that times 25. That's enough yeah. habitat just for the monarch butterfly that's threatened. Now, if we want to talk about mm. leaf cutter bees and so, I mean, the same concept. Well, this must be, this is, is this the reason, or is it one of the main reasons why we're losing bees worldwide? Just development, pure and simple replacement of their uh, habitat? Yeah, established habitats, you know, replacement of that. Uh, the use of systemic pesticides is another big one. Um, here, that's one of the things we try and avoid in ours is to use any systemics at all or any pesticides at all. We try to use beneficial insects to just kind of boost up uh, our ecosystem rather than to take away from our ecosystem. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we think about that. We think about like building up the bacterias in our soils. So like here we use a living soil versus like one that's been heat treated to like, again, add different mm -hmm. elements to our ecosystem rather than take away. So going back to our original ask is like, if you can plant three plants in your yard that are well thought out for pollinators, you are making a difference. You may not see it directly. You may not see those bees coming there in the morning mm -hmm. or coming there during the day, but you are getting and helping local pollinator species by doing that. So, um, and that's, that's, let's just say three species you're adding. Um, is that just per season? Because I know one of the things you do is encourage people to plant pollinators in every single season. I don't, I don't know about the winter, but at least in the fall and the spring. So would that be like planting, like, would you recommend at least three pollinator species per season? Yeah. Uh, and when you say pollinators, I think you're meaning plants in there, but uh, we recommend three flowering bloom oh, seasons. I yeah. Oh, no, it's all good. Um, I just wanted to make sure we're, okay. we're, we're clear on that because it, it is an important thing that we talk about here is that well, providing, yeah. providing habitat, providing a food and a nectar source for a creature that may only fly three miles from its nest in a diameter its entire life to be able to go find a food source after it's depleted is very challenging for that creature. And when it's fighting with other, other sources okay. around there, creating mm -hmm. somewhere that it can come mm -hmm. in spring, summer and fall so that it doesn't have to expend more energy to find it is actually helping them a lot, save their resources to either grow their colony, mm -hmm. uh, keep themselves fed for winter, uh, and, and a lot of other things that like we could talk for hours on, to be honest. So I'm trying to keep it pretty simple here. Um, but like, hmm. that's why yeah. we say three yeah. plants is important to talk about the seasonality of it. So were you saying though, three, se three plants per season, or are you just saying like even one, one plant per season, like one for one the spring, one for the fall and one. Oh, really? That's wow. all we're asking. That makes That's... a difference. That's amazing. Okay. So what if you're like me and don't have a yard or don't have room for a yard? Does it work the same if you have them in planters? Yeah. Why not? I mean, we have planters all over our yard here to show people <laughs> that like bees are all over yeah. them. As long as it's got a bloom, 
Okay. And as long as there's, yeah. you're creating that habitat, okay. the bee doesn't care if it's in the ground or if it's in a pot. Well, aren't also things like, um, let's talk about lawns a little bit too, because with no mow May just coming to an end, I guess this is the last day of May. So we had, it's, it's sort of a new movement. I, I don't know if everyone's heard of it, but to not mow, the, the ask is to not mow your lawn for the month of May. So that things like dandelions and other like natural flowers can pollinate longer. And just by extending the season another month, it seems to make a pretty significant difference. I mean, maybe the jury's out a little bit, but there seems to be a lot of success, especially even for a farmer. I, I read one farmer who didn't mow his, uh, I, I think he had a 25 acre farm and didn't mow it until mid July. And he's done it for two years and said the amount of birds and bees that that has brought back is phenomenal. So is that something that you're hearing more from people that are coming into your shop or? You're hearing more yeah. about in general, no more May. Yeah, I, I, I have mixed feelings sometimes about no more May, but that's not to say it's not a great thing. Um, but no more May really does jumpstart the season for pollinators and for animals in general. Um, if you're going out, mm. at least here in the Colorado area, it's pretty barren until you get to the end of May. So to be able to get dandelions, a great source yeah. of nectar for bees, to be able to get uh, even like their uh, seeds, like that's a great food source for birds. Uh, we have other weeds around here too. You know, oh. you get, you, get, you know, it's called fillery around here that like blooms in May. Like that really jumpstarts oh. the season for pollinators to have a good year. Uh, you know, they're hibernating huh. for the winter. They're coming out. They're hungry. They need to rebuild their nest. It got maybe destroyed a little bit. They need to fix it up. That helps. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that really helps boost it out because, you know, you think about the majority of people's gardens blooming. It's really about now that it's starting mm -hmm. to really come to life, um, especially in the Midwest uh, or in the Mountain right. West. Regions. And that jumpstart mm -hmm. is so mm -hmm. beneficial in so many different ways you know, that we can't even talk about in days. Well, then what is the, what is your hesitation? You said you have mixed emotions. What, what's it, what's the downside to no mo me? It's hard to say, want, first of all, I no want, mo me. <laughs> I, want no mo, I, I want no mo me to be no weed me. Like, I don't want you to spray your weed be gones. I don't want you to like go out there and pull all your, what you think calling weeds. Um, that's the one yeah. thing that I saw across Denver happen is that people were like, well, I still don't want dandelions in my yard, but that's kind of the point. So I'd see a oh, lot of people out there spraying and they missed the point. point. They missed half the point of no mo may being that we need to actually have those dandelions kind of come up. Uh, we need to have those other nectar sources coming up or seed sources coming up to actually give everybody a jump start to have a great spring right around you well this seems again to be well, a couple things maybe education that people just need to understand what the point is i guess it's new so maybe people aren't getting the point fully so that's one thing we need education um but then there's this whole what will the neighbors think kind of thing because i know just we're talking about my daughter earlier they don't 
they like to never mow their lawn. They really like to let it go crazy, but um, at least through May, but often much longer. And it's even if, you know, first of all, somebody would call the city and say, you know, these people aren't mowing their lawn or things like that happen. So just to get it out there in the atmosphere, this is, people understand that uh, there's a point to not mowing your lawn and that there should be no social, socially negative aspect of it, I guess, would be important. Um, so education and social acceptance of the idea. And I also kind of wonder if at some point this doesn't need to go into a legislative type of thing, although I know people hate more laws, but when we're talking about the collapse, potential collapse of a food system, you know, maybe it's worth having some long, long lawns or no lawns, you know, mandated in some way. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? That's a big, that's a big change. Um, we're starting quite a bit smaller than that. And we go talk to, we probably talk to yeah. two to three HOAs a week, just about how, what's on their plant list, um, how often they should be mowing, uh, hmm. why they have, why mm -hmm. they're only allowing shrubs versus flowering plants and things like that. So education is oh. so important. I, I, I don't know how you do that at the legislative yeah. branch. That's kind of a bit over my head and a bit outside of the scope because we're trying to stick with the maintaining sure. doable. And everybody can do no moment. Mm. I've realized that everybody mm. should do no meat, no weeding way mm -hmm. at May too. You know, and just make sure that they understand that aspect of it. It would be amazing if legislation mm -hmm. changed it to say, you know, here are the reasons why that we do this, and it's not illegal to have mm -hmm. certain native plants in your yard all year long. Um, and it's always surprising to me when people are coming to me and asking, saying, hey, my neighbors filed a police report or uh, I can't remember the term for it, where it's like the police have gotten involved that like they yeah. need to weed their garden bed <laughs> that is just full of native plants. Yeah. Because it doesn't fit the beauty yeah. of yeah. what they see as their neighbor, they're now right. getting asked to stop. And that's the part right. that I want to change is that everybody yeah. needs to know that your beauty is yeah. not everybody else's beauty. Yeah. Well, and that the, the health of the environment is the most beautiful of all. Right. And I think we're right. just, we're, we're, we're facing that on so many levels around the planet right now that we just need such massive education about so many things. So it's sometimes it's hard to kind of pick your, I don't want to say pick your poison, pick, pick your, uh, pick your pick battles your cause or pick your, your area that you want to focus on, pick your battles. Yeah. That's probably a good way. I hate to, I hate to use the, the fighting term, you know, I was trying to think of something a little bit more positive, but, um, but we just have to, uh, somehow, I think starting with kids, like you said, you bring kids out to the, the farm and you educate them. That is the number one. I mean, that's the future, right? And, and if, the earlier that they understand and can embrace it and become part of the solution. That's where we are. That's where we are probably going to see the change that we need to see, but um, it's a slow process for everybody. And, and you're so much at the beginning of it, which is kind of interesting to me. I did not realize it's been a relatively new, a relatively new development. Like just even your store is a relatively new in, in development. So 
an interesting kind of looking at a, a paradigm shift though that right because we're trying to go take society from one way of thinking about the world to a whole other way of looking at the the world that's never easy no and just it's the education like you said all i'm doing is just educating at this point um the selling comes secondary to me and it's not really my main focus i mean mm. it, it, you know we when we first thomas and i first started talking about this we talked about a nonprofit and mm -hmm. how do we do that and neither of us had a good grasp of like how can we get in front of enough people as a nonprofit to actually resonate yeah but we did know that like people like mm -hmm. beauty and people love flowers and if we can get that in their hands and in their yard to hold on to that we can then unknowingly mm -hmm. or knowingly start changing things in this area and hopefully soon in a much larger scale. Which is, I want to ask you about that comment in just a minute, but I just wanted to say uh, using, using the power of the marketplace of capitalism, it really, the lever of that is actually much more, can be much more, impactful than trying to do it as a nonprofit. I've certainly had I've worked in my share of nonprofits and, and run a couple. And uh, I, I honestly have come to the conclusion. And, and if you if you look at a podcast that we did from a couple of weeks ago called The Impact Entrepreneur, we had a, a guest on that was um, also arguing for the benefits of, of using capitalism to make the world better. It's a faster and it's it's there, there's a market for it. You have to create a market. And I, I think you chose, I took, I think you took the wiser path because it's also sustainable. It's hard to sustain a nonprofit, but you can sustain your message through sales. So I, I think you, you totally made the right choice of going with a regular business. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's always good. It's always You're reassuring here. Uh, well, I mean, the proof is going to be in the pudding, right? You have to be able to stay in business. And so far, it seems like you're doing really well. You've already grown quite a bit, haven't you? Yeah, we definitely, definitely have grown quite a bit from an eighth of an acre in a backyard and basement to five acres. And, you know, that's five acres in one greenhouse. And until oh, we get really? like six that's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, the plan is to put six greenhouses here and Oof. then. Go go from there. Well, I saw on your Facebook page that uh, you had a situation with winds that came along, 60 mile an hour winds that blew your greenhouse. I don't know if that was your first greenhouse away. So, and that happened here, right down the street from where I'm living right now, is that their entire, that a big, beautiful greenhouse with all these native plants in it. Same thing, hurricane winds came through. So what do you do to, how do you now rebuild so that that doesn't happen or, or can you um we definitely have built stronger and you know like we have a lot more bracing in our greenhouse to have that prevented um that actually mm -hmm. happened before we were completely finished building our greenhouse to be honest um and oh really oh well, that's the, probably good it's gonna happen yeah uh, i guess good and bad in the same way um but to prevent that from happening, it, uh, nature's nature. Um, we are at nature's mercy and we mm. know that. And being in the business that we're in, 
it's something we can plan for. I don't think it's something we can ever prevent. I mean, here in Colorado, we have wildfires. Yeah. Everybody talks about that. Everybody here yeah. sees smoke from Canada that's been coming in all year from their wildfire up there. I, other mm -hmm. parts of the world have hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Other parts have earthquakes. You can't prevent against those, but you can prepare. Yeah. Uh, and if you're prepared and like you have mm -hmm. the mentality that like that mother earth is going to win what's what 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 do you do yeah. to prevent that yeah you you plan and that's all we're going to do is that yeah. like we're just going to plan that like something may happen and we're going to be ready for it and last year when our greenhouse collapsed we moved everything on to trailers and we sold off trailers for three and a half months until we fixed our greenhouse up and oh that's oh i mean we're not we're not a yeah. home depot we're not a a big store and we never will be. Um, I don't think that effectively we can reach people by being that. I want to say hi to 90% of all of our I customers see. that come in. I want to answer any questions they have. And if they want to spend an hour here mm -hmm. chit-chatting, mm -hmm. so be it. If they don't want to buy anything, great. But maybe they can learn something that they can take away from here. Mm -hmm. So if we have a building or not, mm. cool. We can plan for rebuilding it and always will, but you know, what's, yeah. what's the point of worrying about something okay. that like inevitably will happen if you don't take care of yourself. Okay. Well, so that kind of begs the question. You said you want to be there. You don't want to be a big home Depot type situation, but you want to, and you want to talk to all your customers or as many as you can. What are your plans that you alluded to earlier about for the future and for different areas? Are you trying to replicate this in the future possibly, or, or what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I, I, I would love to replicate this. I would love to figure that piece out. It's always been something Thomas and I have talked about, like moving uh, even to like mm -hmm. Western Colorado to start and both of us like investing our time and oh. figuring out the pollinators over there um, or Wyoming and like mm -hmm. literally just looking at this slowly and trying to bring people onto our team who are advocates for those areas and really can help us put in that legwork. Because when you come into our shop, we want to mm. keep that possible. That like, you know, you're getting the correct plants for that area and not have us be shipping these plants all around the world. Um, I, I, it's a pipe dream, I kind of think right. in some yeah, way. it's not the answer. But I don't, I, I don't have mm -hmm. the answer for yeah. it right now, but it's a dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think this this dream of educating people is is really. I mean, you're doing that already. You've already realized that dream. So it's just a matter of, are you going to expand the dream and at what level and at what speed? But you're you're doing it. You know, you're 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 in one of those rare businesses. I think where it's a success, like from the day you opened, regardless of the financial success, because you've already the the day one person came in and learned something, you had a successful business. Not many businesses can say that. Yeah, that's, we're not, Thomas and I aren't in this to be millionaires. So, you know, at the end of the day, if we can help a handful well, if it of happens, people. happens though, it happens, darn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll probably just reinvest it and put it back into doing something bigger and better uh, that helps us reach our goals of like our own way of changing the world, not to kind of use your slogan there, there, but it's like, you know, if we could. Hey, please use it. <laughs> 
I mean, that's the thing is that you take one person changing the world in their own way that matters to them. You've loved bees your whole life. Like I have to say, I have not felt that way my whole life. I, my the the women in my family kind of belong to that class where the bee came and everybody just like ran like you know it was Godzilla in their midst. And I think that's I love that you're changing that mindset because it's it it takes if you've had that fear of bees, for example, like it's hard to get over. Honestly, like, it's just so ingrained in you from such an early age. But rather to look at them and just say, oh, my God, there's another friend. There's another friend. You yeah. know, that's uh, just teaching that mindset, that little shift can make all the difference in the world. Like, oh, there's my food and my flowers and everything comes from that little that little insect and his right. friends. So it's, yeah. good. it's a great thing that you're you're educating. You know, uh, one thing um, that also I, well, I know there's other things people can do besides plant these specific plants and I guess herbs as well, right? Because they're not all, they're not all flowers. They're also herbs that you can plant, right? That Correct. That also that help pollinate. There's trees too. And like, there's like what? Water sources and mm, right. there's, there's so many different angles that you can come and help pollinators. We just really come down to that. We want to have at this moment flowering plants because we grow everything from seed. Um, I but see. I mean, Bees need water. You know, bees can't fly to drink water. Um, so like right. bird baths, uh, other areas where it's like they just have a little bit of slope to stand on um, that they can drink water from is another way to help out local pollinator species. Yeah. So if you're in a very arid area, um, you know, having a water source out yeah. for them to come to is huge. Um, there's... I think that's... A yeah that's a thing that is not well known also because i like if you're gonna put it's a really hot day and like it's 95 degrees or something bees are probably dying of thirst and nobody would think of that right so if you put a little tiny bowl of water out on your windowsill just that helps right with something for you said for yeah. the slope like put some marbles in it or something so that they can stand on it yeah is we have that, these little you can't that makes I a big difference right it. I know you can't see us at the moment, Deborah, but I'm kind of showing the screen. Uh, we have these like little bee cups Fortune. that are like, yeah, they're like little for, for little fairy garden type oh. things. But as you're watering, they fill up with a little bit of water oh. and we'll see, you know, four or five bees on them after we get done watering, just coming to grab themselves a little drink. And, you know, this holds maybe a half an ounce of water in them and it really isn't that big, uh, but it does enough. And it, it yeah. It, it helps and they don't know, drink much yeah yeah you said they can't fly to get water why is that did i understand that correctly um they just land to drink i mean it'd be like you trying to drink water while laying on your back it's very challenging to do just anatomy wise it just oh is a lot you mean they can't fly and drink i see correct yeah so they can fly to a new source to get water, but while they're drinking, they have to just stand. Is that, what, is that what you mean? Or they yep. just have to stay still? Okay. Okay. Well, that helps. Um, so, so if people want to attract more bees, help the population, they can plant two, three or four or five, six species um, in their yard, or there's no limit, but at least um, in their yard three times a year, like, so a different species for each season. Um, 
and they can put water out. Is there anything else? I think you mentioned that you don't use pesticides, which I, I know is a huge thing. Is it, um, do you encourage people to use like natural sources of like natural predators? Yeah, um, beneficials, to, to ladybugs. Yeah, lacewing. Um, I mean, ladybugs is like the most well-known one that we kind of talk about for the aphids. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. inviting them in, mar having marigolds around your vegetable gardens is another way of, of doing that. Um, a lot of people, when they garden for vegetables, talk about companion planting. Um, but we don't talk about it as much mm -hmm. when it comes to our actual gardens. And that's something you can do to like, depending on what you're planting, what problems you're having, look at what you have around there in terms of predator insects that could come take care of that problem naturally for you. And it's not going to be your instant quick fix, uh, but it will over time mm -hmm. balance that out. So maybe you need to use some kind of knockdown in the moment and please try and use them really early in the morning or late at night so that you have the least amount of pollinators out there if you do have to use those but i mean can't people have you do it at the farm you don't to use pesticides at the farm or is it like a pesticide free zone uh we do not use any pesticides on our outdoor plants so we have an outdoor sales area um we do use it sometimes in our greenhouse um, but we do not use any systemics and a systemic is a type of pesticide that grows up through the actual stalk itself or the leaf. Mm -hmm. uh, and when that pest eats right. that type of plant, it kills it. Um, we use all what's called knockdowns. So it is instant. Um, and like, if it touches that insect, it'll kill it then, but then that pesticide's inoculated at that point and not no longer effective almost minutes after that. So. Oh, interesting. Hmm, I hadn't heard that term before. So do you think it's possible to have a flower garden, just like, just say a straight flower garden without using any kind of thing? Or is it just, it's just too difficult to, to do, do you think? Not do using it. any kind of a no. knockdown or anything? Is that unrealistic? No, yeah. not at all. I mean, well, you, you do it outside. To... You said sometimes, yeah. Oh. No, we don't do it outside at all. Um, we don't use any pesticides yeah. at our nursery when it's outdoors. Um, we have a lot of beneficials okay. that we're trying to plant around. Um, we are trying our best mm -hmm. to be pesticide free outside. The state of Colorado may come in and tell us differently. Um, and we have a pesticide plan if wow. we do have an infestation, but currently we are a pesticide free sales area is the best way I know how to say it. Um, we do use so, pesticides in the greenhouse. What does that mean? Yeah, not systemics. So what does that mean that the state of Colorado could come around? Do they ha is that is that something that happens that they come and say there's something spreading and you have to you have to use a pesticide? Yeah, they come and do um, different states have different regulations um, and they'll come and do sporadic checks. Hmm. Uh, for nurseries in general, it's not, nobody's going to have this like in their own backyard and things like that, but they come and check to make sure that like, right. We don't yeah. have infestations. We're not shipping bugs to different parts of the state that like could cause issues everywhere else. 
Um, so we're just trying to make sure we follow all those practices. Oh, I see. Sure we're, yeah. We're being safe for the rest of yeah. rest of the state of Colorado. Too. Yeah. So I have two thoughts. I'm wondering, have you ever thought about giving classes to um, like letting like a school come through or even doing an online, um, I don't know, lesson maybe for, for classrooms? I, I um, interviewed somebody recently who has uh they work with animal um testing they're trying to work you know prevent animal testing and um and cruelty and one of the things they do is they have an online of course they have a big big organization but i just i thought this was such a good way for them to get the message out they they offer a course to um any classroom that wants to sign up like a virtual course and then just give them some lessons about you know animal cruelty and how to care for animals Um, and then they also have um, uh, an app which teaches people. And I think that could also be an interesting tool to use. It's just a, an app that tells people like what to plant and, you know, I don't know. Just, That's just thinking cool. of ways to spread the message for, for pollination. Yeah. I, yeah we'll have, maybe we'll have to talk about that later. I don't know how to do the app. <laughs> that is a definite new idea for me. That is something... Yeah. I'm going to have to chew on for a little bit to figure that one out, how yeah. we would even accomplish that. But we do have classes. Hmm. Um, we have schools yeah. come out, or groups come out per request as of right now. Uh, we've been very... Oh, you inundated. do? Yeah, we've been very inundated oh. with clubs, with schools, with uh, Girl Scout troops, Boy Scout troops, so uh, summer camps, things like that, that we've wow. never, never even had to advertise oh. for them. Um, yeah, we just haven't been able to keep up, uh, to be honest. And it's a really, it's a really cool, well, yeah, you're a small organization. Yeah. And we're, there's only three of us right now here that run this. So mm-hmm. it's just not been yeah. something we've promoted. It's not been something we've really like put out there, um, yet hmm. it, it's coming and it will be something that like, will be a big yeah. part of our business but we've been doing a lot of classes and that um for kids for free here and just kind of like learn about the cycle of life then we do like we've done like beekeeping classes uh we call it our bee petting tour for like really where we like break apart a hive (laughs) a little bit and then we go out and like i'll show them i'll like go out really on my hand and I'll have it like crawl across my hand and then like show them that I can pet it. And then like the one, the kids that like are into it can come and try um, with my help in there touching a bee. And normally that gets their parents coming back in the weekend being like, did you let my kid actually pet a bee? And I'm like, yeah, like there's nothing wrong with that. These, well, whatever it takes. These are, like, are like dogs. They're gonna let you know when they're not happy. Um, and where we taught them huh. how to see that so boy i think you're really speaking to this thirst that's out there like the fact that all these places you're you're a three-person organization and and you've been open a couple of years three years i guess now right and you have got groups coming to you saying we want to learn like that just kind of is an indicator i think of the interest people want to know, but they just don't have the knowledge. So I, I just think you've really landed on something monumental. Not only is it physically, you know, 
doing something, but you're also this education piece. I think it just, uh, I think your timing was quite right on there. So if you, if you had, uh, for listeners, people who are listening to the podcast or watching the podcast, um, if they want to just get more involved, I guess they can just come out to your shop, but, um, I don't know. Are there any other resources that you, that you know of that where people can learn about what to plant and how to plant and these predators? Um, I mean, you, you've quite yourself taught, it seems like, but you, you learned it somewhere. Ask your local garden center, go, go to your local garden center and ask them. They know 90% of what it is. Your, your big box stores don't, but they don't, they might not have all the right. answers, but they are going to know and ask, ask mm -hmm. them the questions, spend an hour, like get on their nerves, tell them until you get a go away from them, keep asking them questions until you're satisfied. Um, find your local groups here, find your local etymologist. Mm -hmm. you know, like here we have the butterfly pavilion and the botanic gardens and resources mm -hmm. like that are so useful. Yeah. Ask your neighbor. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I am always surprised when I talk to my dad, who's a vet, how much <laughs> he knows about plants. And it blows my mind that my dad, who I thought only cared about pigs growing up, he knows about the crown mm -hmm. of a plant. He knows about like all the different parts of like the flower. Wow. And you would be surprised. Talk to your neighbors, talk to other people that have, go up to somebody that has a nice lawn or has a nice, sorry, not a nice lawn, like a nice garden out front and be like, how did you do this? Where'd you start? Right. Be friendly. Yeah. And that's all I did. Really, is I just really a great idea. You know, I, I, I read, I didn't see the whole thing, but I just saw a note or a headline or something that the Surgeon General said that loneliness is one of the, like it's becoming one of a, a huge health concern, one of the top health concerns in the nation, loneliness. and a lot of that is because people won't go next door and ask their neighbor, what do you plan? You know, I mean, this is a way to build community. If you can just start, because everyone wants to share as soon as you walk up to them and say, what are you doing? Most people will be eager to talk to you. And it's just like, you're doing a few things at one time. Right. And um, just think that's really good advice to talk to your neighbor, talk to your, talk to everybody, just talk to people. <laughs> yeah. People want to talk. Take your head out of the phone and just ask them how their day is and what they have going on. They'll help you out. Get your head out of the phone is a really good idea. Get your head out of the phone and into the garden. So um, <laughs> if I come out there when I get back in Colorado, um, I saw on one of your Facebook pages that you, I can't, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, you had some kind of a, like a, pollinator garden, like a pre-made one that like you could, I don't know if it was a, a seed kit or a flower kit or something that you could just like, I don't, I just want to get something and take it to my, to my deck and plant it like without having to learn a whole lot of things. Is that something that you offer? Like I can just say, give me, give me a set of pollinators and I'll go plant them. We, we have that in the spring. Um, that is not something we offer year round, but we do offer basically like a picked for you type of garden. Um, we, we help everybody okay. that comes, Deborah, that like, if you're like, Hey, this is the space yeah. I need to fill. Okay. These are the colors I like. 
we're going to make sure you yeah. get some. we guarantee that like even if you have the blackest oh. thumbs that's going to kill all your plants you're going to come back we're going to replace that plant for you we just want you yeah. to have fun doing it um and like if if it's a pain to yeah. pick out the plants we'll do it for you we'll happily happily figure out in the layout for you when you come in just come in with pictures come in with kind of like general mm -hmm. dimensions mm -hmm. we all know how to do it uh we all can like kind of I, the way that it typically works with me when you come in i'll be like hey why don't you look around mm -hmm. first and find one plant that you particularly must have in your yard and then i'll start building around that okay. and i'll be like okay what about the like fragrance? oh really and it's like we'll go to like one that maybe smells like anise and like that one's good for like keeping the hummingbirds in um and then it's like maybe we'll look at mm. like i i like sphinx moths which are like a uh it's like a cross between a moth and like a hummingbird and so it's like i like bringing those around so i, I tend to put those in people's little mm. areas in there um mm. and they're fun little Wow. pollinator and, and you know we'll we'll 100 do that if you have if you want to be in florida and need some help you email us we'll figure it out for you we'll we'll try and help you out wow. wherever you are we'll see if we have a resource there if we're not it and we'll point you in the right direction just ask huh. you know we just want you to have a good time well this is <laughs> This has been really so educational for me and I hope for people listening. I know that I'm very excited to get back and uh, come out and visit you. I, I haven't haven't been there yet. Um, I, I love that you said if you're in Florida, call. We'll see if somebody in Florida calls you and uh, see if we can get people around the world to know more about you. But definitely people in Colorado. And I just thank you so much for spending this time and thank you for what you're doing because, I mean, just you are making a significant difference. Just just through the podcast, if nothing else, I'm just letting people know what the issue is and how to fix it and how to have fun doing it and how to bring beauty to your yard and herbs to your yard. I mean, just like, I, there's no downside here, right? So um, just, I'm no. really, really excited to support you and, and come see you when we get there and just wish you the best and wish you the best success. Thank you. I, it was really fun to be on your podcast here, Deborah, and I uh, look forward to meeting you in person when you uh, come on out. All right, Brad, take care and uh, we'll stay in touch, okay?